This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Richard James. Richard is the filmmaker, he's the Bitcoin filmmaker, um, but he uh, he's the filmmaker behind the three 30-minute documentaries um, that were uh, called Anatomy of the State, Hard Money, and uh, Petrodollars. It was based off of the writing to Murray Rothbard, um, and then uh, Hard Money... Um, you know, talking about the WTF happened in 1971 and then and Petrodollars was the Gladstein article. So I wanted to have him on um, because obviously we're both, uh, you know, filmmakers um, at heart. So I wanted to talk to him from that perspective. But uh, also he was on the big Jordan Peterson um, podcast with uh, with Gigi and Breed Love and John Vallis. So, uh, you know, we got into that a little bit. But uh, yeah, we we're also going to do some stuff together, too. So we, we talked before, but uh, I wanted to get him on the show and and, you know, uh, get you know his story out there for all you guys. The sponsor for this episode is CoinBeast Connect. Do you have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your Bitcoin learning and book a one-on-one video call with a Bitcoin Pro on CoinBeast Connect. Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro. Select a date when you're available and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. And it's also brought to you by Movies Plus. Uh, Movies Plus, you can coincidentally see all three of uh, of uh, Richard's films on there. Um, and they're under the, the title we made at a series um, called uh, Money and State. And uh, yeah, so you can check it out there. You don't even have to pay. Just sign up, uh, download the app, and you can get it. But you can also get a free trial. Check out anything on the app. Uh, just go to the app store, search Movies Plus, or go to MyMoviesPlus.com. And uh, if you want to follow me, my Twitter handle is at Corey underscore Tusik. And the show handle is at Bitcoin Simply. And you can email the show, Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. So you guys don't have on your side of the country in australia you guys don't have daylight savings at all or wait no you do but the other side we do have it but yeah it's funny because he's uh, like that's queensland so it's we're all on the same side of the country like we're sort of in in the same like we should be in the same time zone because it's all up and down Mm. we're all on the east coast but different states and then on the west coast there like always uh, an hour a couple of hours behind uh, behind but yeah and so if so you, you live, the, especially the first... if you live like up near, near the border where it... oh no go ahead sorry it's i think like a little bit of a lag people living across the street people yeah people living across the street from each other but they're like on a different time zone. oh wow <laughs> so that must really really be hard <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Um, well, uh, you know, so you're in this space and you're a, uh, you're a Bitcoin filmmaker. Um, and, uh, is that what you have been doing your professional career? Is that what you, your trade is? No, I, I did study filmmaking a long time ago, you know, with an idea that, I went to go into that as a, as a trade and I, and I sort of did a bit of work in, in that industry, but yeah, I sort of, um, 
you know, I, I was working in the, also in the trail, like I was doing a lot of traveling. I was working as a, as a tour guide as well. And, you know, an opportunity came up to start a business in that field. And so I sort of went down that path and it just followed that opportunity. And so ended up working in the, in the travel industry, running a, like a tour operating business, which I'm still, still doing. So yeah, I've never really worked in the, much in the film industry. Like I, I had a, my own little production company for a while where we'd make documentaries and, and, um, you know, they did all right. Like they got some distribution and, and, um, you know, went to film festivals and things like that, but they were never really sort of commercial projects. They were more, more just hobbies, I suppose. And I didn't make any, do any filmmaking stuff for a long time before Bitcoin kind of got me back into it. So Bitcoin's what brought you back into the filmmaking. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you feel like for the first time in a long time, I sort of felt like I had something to say. And uh, yeah, you sort of get that urge to to sit down and create something. Um, I, I don't know if it, is it really laggy for you? A little bit. Yeah. I don't know if my... Uh, it's possibly my internet connection. It's not a hundred percent. Like it's, it's like one or two seconds. I don't know how yeah. bad it is on your end. No, it's just a little bit. I just want to make sure if, if we're good, if you're good with that, then we'll, you know, get thrown off too much. I'll try not to like step on you. So there might be like <laughs> an awkward pause or something like that. Um, so you, you know, did that back in the day, you studied it a little bit. Um, and then go off and you do your own business, do a travel business, um, and uh, and then Bitcoin grabs hold of hold of you and gives you, you know, like you, me being a filmmaker as well, like we we speak the same language, you know, where like sometimes the only way that you can express the way you feel is through a visual medium, um, and uh, like over the summer when I made. Um, I made a Tropic Thunder like video of um, uh, the Les Grossman uh, dancing and buying the dip, um, you know, and it was like whenever Bitcoin was at like 30 some thousand. And I was like, it literally was the only thing like it, it expressed exactly how I felt, you know. Um, so is that kind of what happened with you with Bitcoin where you're like, you know, because nothing's worse as a filmmaker making something that doesn't speak to you you know like doing something that's just a job so so you're just in there and all of a sudden you're like you know what i have i have to make this stuff i have to get back out there and start creating it is that is that what you did like you just listened to guy swan and we're like you know what this could use some video yeah you know i saw a lot of guys friends of mine or people i'd I'd studied with or worked with a bit going down the path of, of making it a career and it's I don't know. It's hard work, especially if you're working on stuff that's not that interesting, you know, like, you know, you're doing corporate videos or commercials and stuff like that. It's kind of stressful as well. Like being on, on film sets, like not that I was ever on big sets, but like, even it, like any, you know, in, in any situation where you got a team and, and, Ah, you're working with fiddly camera gear and deadlines and, um, you know, People it's always a rush. I, 
yeah, I found it stressful. Like I didn't really like, like I liked the, the creative process and, and the end result, but yeah, found the actual filmmaking process to be, I don't know, like, yeah, hard work. And so I, I yeah, I never really, I, I never felt like I was missing out, like, like not doing it as a, as a career. Um, and, and yeah, I didn't really have anything that, that, inspired me that much and so when when i sort of was going going down the, the rabbit hole i suppose and you know had all these these kind of thoughts like you sort of you know you've got something you want to express and and yeah i thought the, the film medium was the best thing but it was also like a little bit premeditated in that you know the community i guess it's centers around twitter like it's pretty amazing and they're so everyone's so receptive that you sort of got this like like ready-made audience, like people who are going to be interested in your work and, and enthusiastic about it and, and promote it. Whereas, yeah, there's you know it's it's like um, there's this niche there where where like it, it, there's not that way you you get such enthusiastic response. So so I sort of thought thought that you know there was like fertile ground there to to do some some video work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um so what's your bitcoin story then how did you get into bitcoin because we have the filmmaking side and how you got there but you know how are you are you an og or are you second, second cycle second. Uh, how did you how did you fall down the rabbit hole uh no i'm i'm, I'm pretty new man i probably 2019 was when I I I first got in, interested in Bitcoin, and it, it was sort of like the the connection of a few different like disparate threads that all came together. Because I'd always been interested in economics, and you know I had that experience of trying to study it, but kind of Keynesian type stuff is like just. I just couldn't like, I sort of loved the idea of economics, but I couldn't handle that. That stuff is too boring and it didn't make any, just didn't seem relevant. So I sort of dropped out of, of studying that formally, but always was interested in it. And, you know, I, w I went sort of down the, the Austrian economics rabbit hole a little bit and I was kind of into gold, like I was a bit of a gold bug. So I was kind of down that path and, but it never like, Bitcoin had just never been on my radar. Like I think, cause I think I started getting interested in that stuff probably after the 2017 kind of bull market where I just, that just passed me by. Like maybe someone had mentioned Bitcoin to me around that time. And I was like, ah, it sounds crazy. I don't, don't even know what that is. Sounds like, it sounds like a scam, right? That's what we <laughs> all like think. A scam, right? Yeah. And then, but I was also interested in like just investing. So I was doing stuff like, reading Warren Buffett's letters and, you know, value, I was into like value investing and, and learning how to do cash flow models and investing in businesses and stuff like that. So my first kind of real touch point was, um, was probably the investors podcast where Preston Pish would have on guests to, to talk about Bitcoin. Like I was listening to his stuff for a long time, mainly about value investing. And so mm -hmm. he had, I think, Tour de Mista, probably Trace Mayer. And then I think he had Plan B. 
after that, I was like, huh, I got, I got to, got to look into this a bit more. And I remember I, I ordered a copy of the Bitcoin standard and, and read that. And that was kind of when it all, all like I joined all the dots to you. And I was like, ah, like this is the answer to so many of these things that I've been, been trying to figure out. Yeah. 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 It's like, it starts to, uh, you know, pull, um, pull a lot of different things to use a film reference, pulls a lot of things into focus, you know, things that you didn't think you maybe would be able to understand. And you're like, all of a sudden you see with clarity, you're like, well, I I didn't realize that that was a problem. Um, and it's, do you find it hard now to like, you know, since, I mean, cause you're, so if you're 2019, cause I'm 2020 class of 2020. So, um, with us being relatively new, do you find it hard to like look back and think of what it was like before you were properly orange pilled? You know, like when I see like siblings of mine and stuff that just aren't all in and I'm like, I don't know how they're not all in. I don't get it. You know, do you, do you find that hard to, to talk to people and, and not just be like, it's all Bitcoin, just do Bitcoin. Well, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you, it's not obvious. It's still, I don't think it's like this obvious thing that's, that's shouting you in the face. And like, it's not as if I look at all the other people in my life and, and um, like, how, why do you not get this? Or why aren't you as interested in this as I am? Like, I often think that, you know, I was lucky even though I came to it, I suppose, relatively late, that I had this sort of confluence of, of interests and background that, that maybe allowed me to understand it. Like, I think, if, okay, anyone can jump in on an investment when the price is going up, but I guess to have that, um, you know, that real understanding and, and belief in it, 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 it takes a certain understanding of, it's like you have to understand and, and believe in a different version of economics where a world where like a fixed money supply is a good thing and, you know, GD, constant GDP growth and, and spending is not actually important and like debt is not important and, and you have to almost imagine this alternate reality. So, yeah, it's, it's I... I I, I think in, in the earlier days when I, I was probably more zealous, like in terms of trying to recruit people to, to it, but I'm at the point where I don't really do that anymore just because, man, like to, if you're not 100% committed to it, like living through the drawdowns is just is too much, I think, for, for people. Um, now, of course, everyone should get off zero and 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 have something, but like, yeah, I don't to, to, yeah, to be like fully invested in it and then live through the, the crazy swings in price. And then I had a couple of people who like, ah, I sort of got on board with me like quite early on to, to go on the journey and, and like they bought Bitcoin and I sort of thought, oh yes, like the, like at least I've, I've converted a few people and then ah, like they didn't quite make it, you know, like they, that, that you know sometime during during this year when it was way down they're like ah, i can't handle this anymore I'm, I'm out and so i sort of feel like a bit of a not a failure but you know everyone's just gotta go everyone's on their own journey right and then they've got to 
you know, maybe they'll come back around to it. But, but some people like, I don't know, some people try and outsmart themselves. Like they're sort of like, oh, you know, I've heard stuff like, oh, Bitcoin, no, these inflation figures got released, but Bitcoin went down. Like that's not how it's supposed to work. Or like, oh, if Elon Musk said this and Bitcoin, the price did that, like this short-term focus and this maybe this attempt to like outsmart it or, or, or think that they, you know, because you've got some macro framework and big, what Bitcoin's short-term price movement's doing doesn't fit, it throws you off. But like, I find, you know, the, the other interesting realization I had was that, okay, we're hopefully we're right about Bitcoin that we've backed the right horse. It, it, if you're just looking at it from a, I, I know Bitcoin's not investment, but like mm-hmm. if you're talking about trying to grow your wealth by putting your money into an asset, okay, hopefully Bitcoin's been the right decision. But I think a lot of it is also just the, the ability to commit to something in a big way and then just stick with it through thick and thin for a long, like for a decade or more. Um, and for me, I realized that like, yeah, I shouldn't try and like that. I think that's almost as important as, as the asset itself, like you, the, your behavior as an investor. Um, and so, you know, I think like for me on like, I know people on Twitter who try and curate their Twitter feed. So it's like, no, this economist or that macro analyst and, and blah, blah, blah. But I've almost found that there's benefit in doing the opposite. It's like, only laser eye people, only people with like hodl in their names, people that are purely biased towards Bitcoin. So if, if it starts crashing, like you go on Twitter and see all these people um, kind of holding the line, and you're like, yes, hold like, mm-hmm. you know, there's something, there's something to that. Like that helped me through the crash in March of 2020 when I was kind of newish to this thing i just like fomoed in to in in i think the february when it it went up past ten thousand us dollars and everyone was like oh never never again below ten thousand dollars and like it's going you know it's going all the way to a hundred thousand and i was like oh god like i gotta gotta get every last dollar i can and then of course it crashed um way back like went down like 70 80 percent but um, yeah, I think sort of feeling like you're part of this community of people who believe in this thing definitely helped me get through that period. Oh, well, I can't I can't imagine what that crash must have been like to FOMO in <laughs> in February of 2020, um, and then just uh, give. I mean, that's what I I kind of um, I had a couple of things come through and. Um, so I put a ton in, in the 50 range and, um, you know, just, uh, I had some business deals go through with it and it, yeah, just all. And then all of a sudden it immediately went down. I was like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like that's when I started sweating bullets, you know, but it, having that community there, you're right. You know, like having somebody like American Hoddle sit there and say like, buy more, what are you doing? You know, like, it was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Buy more. Don't sweat. Don't sweat. It'll be fine. Take the cheap sats when they come. Yeah. I think that conviction will pay off. Like it, cause there's not many people I think who are, have the belief to like put, 
put your your entire net worth into into this into something like that's not something that's normal like mm-hmm. like that's a ba- like any traditional financial advisor would tell you that that's a terrible idea you know but you know something that uh, VJ Boyapati said uh, that I that I heard you know early on in my journey stuck with me which was that you know, if you look at the people in you know the richest people in the world not that that's the be all and end all but you know it was the the idea of of preserving and growing wealth is something that's always interested me so he said you know if you look at people like bill gates or or jeff bezos you know how have they gotten to where they are you know they've obviously built companies but if but if you put an investing lens on it it's that they've been highly concentrated in one thing for their for their entire life and they've never sold like mm. whether it's amazon or microsoft and like amazon in you know in the early days also went through crazy ups and downs like 80 percent drawdowns and you know trade in and out of that they're just holding through it and so that commitment pays off in the end you know i want yeah. you just certainly don't want to pick the wrong thing like i wonder if gold you know i sometimes that's i sometimes look back when you say, you know, do you sort of look back on that earlier version of you? Like, I wonder if I had have gone down the path of gold and just never somehow missed Bitcoin or somehow had some mental block that didn't let me get, get there. And like, you were, you're all in on gold. Uh, Like like hoping that 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 was the future of sound money, but sure. Yeah. I think you see shift Peter shift now and you're like, I don't, you just have to be insane to be to to still be taking that that mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, you know, I mean that's where I'm at with like I have it all in there. So like I don't sweat the price on the stuff that I don't want to touch forever. But one thing that I noticed um when I went all in um is that I was like, oh crap, like sometimes you do have to sell you know like sometimes you actually have to pull money out like if because i mean other than my basic living expenses i don't keep any money in a bank savings account because it's a joke um but you know whenever things happen in life you have to you know pay for things it's like oh man um so yeah i don't know have have you uh have you experienced that where you like kind of sit there and go like am i insane for doing this like well i i haven't tried that like zero fiat approach you know I, i'm i usually keep like you know i do have a bank account still like i mm-hmm. like i do have you know with sort of you know a certain number of months of runway like maybe it's six months or something you try and keep you know foresee yeah just in case. expenses and if you know we've and, and so and you know i got a family and and you know not of which you know not not everyone's like uh, everyone else is is a pre i think confident in in the direction i'm going but like you know i you know with you know with a with a wife and kids like it's hard to be to be sort of like like living on a negative um dollar balance <laughs> so i haven't ever i haven't ever had to sell um so I, so i do you know it's what's interesting is like because we're on a like a Bitcoin standard in our business. So, oh, nice. um, so that's, that's interesting. I guess that's probably where I've 
kind of played that game a little bit where you feel the heat a little bit. Cause, cause you know, there you've got, yeah, like every, you've got your, you know, your overhead expenses every month. And so you do have this cash flow management issue. Um, and, you know, thankfully we've, you know, there we've been kind of a one step ahead of the game in that, in that we were, and, and that helped us, like we built up a bit of a Bitcoin treasury um, in 2020, at the start of 2020. And so like when the, you know, obviously, because it was, it's a travel business. So we've, we have, haven't had much, uh, you know, we certainly haven't been growing. We've been struggling in the last couple of years with this, with all this bullshit that's going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was sort of souls sold down slightly the Bitcoin treasury to like give us the cash to meet our expenses. Um, So that's, but, but it's kind of like you're, it's not like you're forced to sell, um, you know, because you need to pay a bill. It's like, you can try and time, you know, time the market as it rolls. So each time it hits a, you know, hits a high, you might sell a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But generally it's not, it's a hard game to play, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I I've learned to de- dollar ca- cost average in, and then dollar cost average out. You know, so like at this point where it's like, because um, I mean we're moving, so um, like I, and we're, just the way it is, we're moving and um, and we won't be selling our current house. Like it won't. It's not contingent. The new house is not contingent on the current house selling. Um, so there might be, you know, a handful of months that I'm that we're swinging two mortgages, and also what comes with that is that you know the money that we get from this first house that we would use for the down payment, not there. Um, so yeah, so I kind of have to, unfortunately, do some of that. And um, I, I know exactly what's going to happen is that I'll put the down payment on the new house with, um, with. Uh, with Bitcoin being at like in the fifties and then in that month or so between when we sell our, or when we move into the new house and when we close and get the money from our old house, Bitcoin will like three X during that. I know that'll happen. It'll be like, I'll come back in like, Oh man, like a month ago, this would have been great. But uh, you know, here I am like, we're, it, it'll finally hit like a hundred. This is the way, man. It, it, it always, the market will always knows like, and it just, it's like, it just it, shits it on you when it, when it can. <laughs> you, yeah, just just shits on you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I found that experience this year. But yeah, like as you said, like whenever you, you know, you get a payout for something, or, or and you're like, ah, uh, and then boom, <laughs> like twenty percent uh-huh. dip drawdown, or you buy the dip and it just keeps dipping. That's just just happens but to everyone. <laughs> one of the one of the worst investments I've ever made in my life. Um, hasn't paid out yet um, and it actually I will make a good profit off of it and it's guaranteed um, but um, I did it let's say February of 2020 um, and then it was like a month later that I, I put like a good amount of money into Bitcoin then in April went put more and then I just literally like after doing all the research with, you know, so much downtime. Um, Cause that was the thing with filmmaking. I was traveling to all the film festivals and then all of a sudden, poof, pandemic hit and I had no traveling. 
I was just home, um, which was great. Um, you know, I enjoyed that, but, uh, all that extra time, I just, I spent studying Bitcoin and, um, yeah, if I would have, but anyway, so I made this other investment. I'm still waiting on that money to come back and I, and then use that money to buy as much Bitcoin as I can with it. And it used to be a lot more Bitcoin than I could buy with it. You know, I remember summer of 2020 and the price was at like 11, 12,000. I was like, oh crap. Like I'm, I'm missing out. And now it's just like, like (laughs) it was such a, such a terrible investment. If I had just steered it into Bitcoin instead, you know, but I guess we all have those stories, right? Uh, it's yeah. I have exactly the same thing where like a few, a few investments from, you know, before you even knew what Bitcoin was, where you it's locked, the money's locked up for some, some stupid, you know, yeah, five percent, five percent, or ten percent. And that sounded great, you know, a few years ago. And now you're just like watching that. I know, watching yourself like, miss the train. But anyway, I think it was. I don't even remember exactly, but it was like a guaranteed, like, uh, like. 140% return or something. And I was just like, I mean, obviously it's great. Um, <laughs> and, now, and they doubled the money supply since then. And, you know, it's just like, Oh my God. Um, so I'm living through that, but uh, yeah. So anyways, um, so to get into the anatomy of the state, so your three films, which by the way, I'll just shamelessly plug uh, because it's on movies plus my streaming platform. We have them there for free. So if you download, you can just anybody listening, you download movies plus and you can watch uh, Richard's films there, but you can also watch them, you know, on his website and everything. Um, but we're going to hopefully do more, but how did, so anatomy of the state, um, had you read the book before and that, and that's what inspired you or did you listen to guy Swan and, and kind of think, you know what, I could put something together here. I'd read the book. So that, that was for me, one of the big things that, that, came out of bitcoin is i'd I'd sort of been interested in austrian economics but and i'd read a few things but it was through kind of listening to bitcoin people that i that i learned about rothbard murray rothbard and so i read a couple of his books you know the first one i think was what has government done to our money which is like it's like a little booklet almost but it's it talks you through this process of how, you know, how governments basically co-opted money, you know, that the gold was money and then, you know, people would deposit, he sort of goes through the history of it, but in a really basic, almost theoretic way, like people deposited gold in these warehouses or with blacksmiths or whatever. And they then started lending out certificate, you know, in exchange for an IOU, like a certificate and that traded you know, as, as good as gold, but it was more mm-hmm. convenient to trade the certificate. But then there was the temptation to, to lend out more certificates than there was actual gold. So you get the beginning of fractional reserve banking and, and then how governments sort of co-opted that process. And, and that was eye-opening. Uh, but, but I'd sort of, like, wasn't something I wasn't prepared for. Like, I'd sort of started learning about that, you know, with, with the introduction to Bitcoin, uh, you know, and and kind of learning about gold, but the when I started reading Rothbard's more like political th- theory, like that sort of blew my mind. Like the 
anatomy of, of the, I read anatomy of the state and all this stuff. You can get it free online. Like, it's mm-hmm. like I think through the Mises website. Um, it's a, it's a, it takes like a couple of hours to read this book, but it's just, it's had such a profound impact on me because I'd, I'd never been a political person at all. I just wasn't interested. Like, um, you know, I never had strong opinions about politics at all. Um, but I read this book and it just, yeah, it's like something clicked. I was like, this, yeah, something, this makes sense to me. And, you know, just this, uh, this, like the, the introductory statement where he says, you know, the government is the, the only institution in society that collects its revenue, not by a voluntary cooperation or, you know, exchange for services rendered, but, but through violence, through, through the use of force. And it's like, it's such a, like you can't like it, people love to kind of qualify that statement and be like, Oh yes, that's true. But you know, of course we need the government because you know, we need someone. Uh, we always but, need a but government. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like um, there's always a qualifier, like a, but like, you know, it's, Oh, it's necessary for all these reasons, but like, who will build the roads? Really, who will build the roads? <laughs> oh, the roads. You can't you, like, you can't refute the statement. Like, and it's just, it's like, ah, it just set me, it just set me on this, this rabbit hole. Like that's possibly for me personally, like a more profound rabbit hole than the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's that basic sort of argument about how humans, you know, about the makeup of humans and how we organize and how we, how we live together and, and, and what is morality and, and a system of, of ethics. And, and he, so, so I then went and, and sort of did more research on that. And, and, you know, he's got some other books, one called for a new Liberty and another one called the ethics of Liberty, uh, where he sort of expands this libertarian philosophy in more detail. Um, but yeah, it's that anatomy of the state. It's just so concise. It's so unapologetically, like just to the point. And um, you know, it it sort of crystallized some feelings I'd had for for a long time. And so when I heard, I think it, I think I even like I knew I wanted to do something with that book. And then I was even, I remember, I think even having the thought, like, ah, oh, I wonder if guys done a read on this and went back and found it it's like yeah that's perfect um and so i think yeah and i'd also come across some really cool stuff on the internet like these cool old animations like all these old i think a lot of them are like soviet propaganda almost oh yeah like a a lot of that film is made up of communist (laughs) propaganda that 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 I've sort of chopped up able to repurpose almost repurpose to the exact opposite um, narrative and so funny yeah but it's amazing how good this like from an artistic point of view how how good some of this stuff is and how how perceptive it is in a way in that okay we all know communism is 
horrendous and murderous and and a terrible you know way to organize a society but that they most of this stuff was like anti-american so they're they're making fun of america or they're kind of sort mm. of doing some kind of satirical takedown of the the american capitalists right and and nothing that they say is is untrue in a sense that like you know the american system is okay it's not it's not like genocidal um yeah but um it's pretty terrible like it's you know it's and, not fair. And getting yeah it's and and getting worse you know as we speak and and i think that i suppose the irony is that you know those you know that they were putting this framework in place of like com- you know w- communism or socialism is the is the true way forward and capitalism is evil but but i suppose the irony is that like i think we all agree that the correct reading is like the things about america or the things about western democracy because it's worse in in countries like australia where i am or canada or or, or some of these places, it, it's the socialist elements that that are that create the problems uh, rather than ca- capitalism itself. Um, so, and they kind of but feed still, the crony capitalism. You it's know? the crony capitalism, yeah. And so they're that's what they're playing upon, and that's what they're satirizing, and that's what they're correctly calling out as being uh, being itself an evil system. And, and they're correct, but in that but but the problem being that it's the cronyism it's the government involvement uh, you know the moral hazard created by government that that is the problem mm-hmm. yeah um it's funny that i mean yeah once you read something like that or like i i when i claim that i read things most of the time um guy swan read it to me um, you know, when I say it like that, it makes it sound like I'm like laying on the couch and he's sitting on another, like on an armchair, like reading and I'm like, in like kindergarten or something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, reading that you're just like, you know, like, oh, this is all bullshit, you know, like, uh, like all of it. Um, and I think that that, you know, going into then to the second film you made with hard money and talking about um you know wtf happened in 1971 and coming off the gold standard and everything i think that that is what is going on right now in the world is that every more and more people are realizing that they've been lied to or they're not realizing it but they're noticing that things are off you know and they're like they're kind of how do you put it like um disoriented if that makes sense you know for the people that haven't kind of woken up to the fact that like everything's basically a sham um yeah they're kind of they're kind of disoriented so i mean is that what you see because i mean it's a perfect transition going from anatomy of the state and then you make the hard money film um and is that kind of what you saw making that be the the next film that you uh created well actually if funnily enough, it was the other way around. I actually did hard money first. Oh, even okay. though I hard money came after. Yeah, even though, like, from a sort of 
it makes like anatomy of the state kind of makes more sense as the, as the first one. And if, if you're looking at them as a series or as a kind of progression of thought, like, like that sort of analytical framework laid by anatomy of the state is, is sort of comes before you sort of get into the, the money question. So it's sort of, yeah, it's kind of backwards, but, I, that was because you know that was my journey was that you know I, I learned about bitcoin and and subsequently the problems of inflation and you know that then led me to the to the anarchy anarcho-capitalism um philosophy afterwards so i sort of did it backwards but that you know that's the i suppose the the point of hard money is to try and show people that they've got a problem because oh, here where I am, you know, people are just, they're sort of, everyone's kind of like, it, it's probably not fair to say they're everyone's sort of asleep, but it's just that no one, no one realizes they've got a problem, you know, like no one's even thought for five seconds about money beyond the fact that the government creates the money, uh, you know, I work, the money goes into my bank account, I pay taxes, you know, no, it's just like no one, no one thinks anything beyond that. And even like, I guess maybe where it's the question you pose is an interesting one. Like are people sort of becoming more aware and waking up a bit? And when you're on Twitter, it sort of often seems like that. Um, I guess because you're you're sort of in the thick of it, debating these things all all day. But when certainly when I go out into the world around me, I don't see any real change. You know, I just don't think I still don't think people have, have got it. Like like, and I certainly think the whole virus thing and and the government response to that has had some impact in that like i think if we go into another we've obviously had some of the worst lockdowns in the world here but um now like everyone's living it up like or if you're willing you know and and sort of you know things are sort of going back to normal but i think you know it's it's like next winter it's going to come again and um so i wonder if you know, when it all, when, when the whole kind of narrative about, you know, the vaccine and how it's going to solve everything, when that narrative sort of breaks down, because, because, which it is kind of doing in Europe at the moment, but it hasn't, mm-hmm. we're kind of like six months behind that year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and, 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 but it's probably the first time most people have, have even thought about. The, the nature of government and the fact that um, the fact that it's that they're lying like most of the people don't want to they're, they're like my guy doesn't lie to me only the other guy you know the, the the other person that I would never vote for that person lies but my person what's would inter- never lie exactly and and what's interesting here in Australia is I think politics are, are almost even less um partisan than in the u.s where you got the whole red versus blue thing we don't like yeah we've sort of got the same ideological divide but it's nowhere near as 
as Not strong as, as it is in the is. US. It's yeah, it's just like politics just play like life is just not as political um here I, or, or i think that and and you're i don't think people are defined by that what side of politics you take anywhere near as much uh, but well yeah what's interesting is that he, you know here where i am which is in melbourne you know you've seen this crazy stuff in the last six months where you know simple you know police shooting at uh, protesters with firing rubber bullets and like bashing people up. And, and I would have thought that that might spark like a bit of a conversation about the nature of government and, <laughs> and, you know, the fact that maybe government isn't, doesn't always act in people's best interest, but, but, and I, but, and I avoid like the, the mainstream media, like the plague. So like, I wouldn't oh, yeah. even know what, is being said on, you know, I saw like five minutes of of it in a doctor's waiting room the other day. I was like, oh god, like this. <laughs> I'm glad I don't watch this, but unfortunately, it seems like it's the answer is no. Like one thing that's interesting is the gut. For example, the there's stuff here in Australia that that you, you can't even talk about, like you know the Overton window of permissible um, hmm. subjects, like gun guns for example like okay australia sort of gave up all its guns um you know a couple of decades ago uh, you know it's illegal to to carry guns uh, it's illegal to own guns unless except it's under very certain circumstances that's not and we saw that's still not a, not up for discussion like if you were to bring in 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 sort of polite conversation in australia if you were to bring up the idea of gun ownership um you like you can't you would just be no one would people wouldn't talk to you ever again they just say mm. that guy's a lunatic he's a, really yeah yeah you couldn't even have the conversation whereas i've found and like I, I and and it's been an interesting thing for me to like kind of examine my own biases and sort of upbringing where for me it also wasn't part of the conversation um, you know, for, for the first 30 years of my life where we were, we here in Australia were, have always, you know, the, the kind of educated sort of liberal person's view in Australia here is, oh, those stupid Americans and their guns, like, mm -hmm. look at us, look at us here. Like, we don't have any guns. Like, we don't have any gun violence. We're so smart. Um, and there's no... There's no understand, like, it's not even like, okay, we can debate the two sides. It's like, there's no understanding of the the, the gun ownership side. Like, people don't understand that idea of that connection between guns and, and liberty or, or the fact that people see guns as this, um, or the reason they value guns is tied up with, with individual freedom, that's just, I certainly didn't understand that um, until quite recently, like that side of the, of the story. Um, and so I've, you know, I try and reason through everything now from first principles, like going back to, like, to, to the, to the, you know, your axioms of like, okay, we've got the non-aggression principle, um, you know, that, 
you know, and everything we're going to apply, you know, we're going to then make logical de- deductions. So every, everything we posit has to be consistent with the initial axiom. And so obviously if you proceed from, from the non-aggression principle, government, even the very concept of government is, is sort of unethical because you've got one group of people who are, are allowed to use violence, the government, and another group. Um, but, you know, because people... And so, f- so I've sort of been toying with that idea you know, from an ethical point of view and try because it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that's new to me, but yeah, for most people there, they've never even thought about that. And, and, you, you know, you see, you know, even with the, the police brutality that's been going on here, it still doesn't seem to have, to have changed much. Hasn't so I wonder how anything in their minds. I don't think so. And, uh, and, um, you know, I, just as an example, you know, there was an incident here, a month or so ago where there were some protesters, um, you know, protesting the, you know, the government overreach and, and sort of, you know, mandates and things like that. And they, um, you know, they gathered at this shrine, like a, a war memorial in the city. And, um, and the police came, like the SWAT teams came and started firing at, them, you know, firing rubber bullets and sort of, cleared these people it was almost like it was wow. crazy scenes like a like almost like a battle going on um like, like something I just never, yeah like i just never thought i would see this in my lifetime and and you know i um you know I, i'm not a not a military person and i don't um you know especially these days you know i but I, i'm not but in a former life like i you know, I had an interest in, in military history and, and, you know, this is sort of like, uh, like I met, I got the chance to meet a lot of, a lot of these guys who fought for Australia in, in the second world war and have now since passed on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk to them about the reasons why they went to war and, and, and the principles that they thought they were defending. And, and then you see this like, scene of of like government sort of brutal crackdown against people who are who are protesting in the name of freedom and you're like oh my god like how how's it come to this uh but then uh, you know that seemed to me to be the evident kind of thought process that you would go to but like i'm obviously in this bubble because as i said i then happened to be sitting in front of a tv for five minutes and i saw the you know the the nightly news that just said, oh, you know, this this terror, this protest by these anti-vaxxers and right-wing conspiracy theorists, you know, how dare they go and protest on this, uh, you know, at this spot and good on the, you know, the police for keeping order and hopefully that, you know, they don't have the hide to do it again. And it was just this very eye-opening thing for me. I was like, huh, like I, I'm living on a different planet to, to most people here at least yeah it's crazy i mean um yeah you know you it's hard because when you look at how bitcoin you know you're talking about war and everything and then like is the fact that we wouldn't see the thing think we would see these things in our lifetime um but uh you know with how bitcoin basically you know disincentivizes kinetic war and all that kind of stuff 
Um, and when you go back and peel the layers of history, um, once you've become properly orange pilled, um, I find it a little alarming at how much um, the, of the history has been manipulated. Have you found that in, in your past life when you were, you know, looking at, uh, um, you know, history and now comparing it to what you've you've learned uh, through, you know, I mean, even this goes right into petrodollars, you know, with like why why were certain wars uh, fought, um, you know, and it's like, wow, is it just about money? Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. And and yes, I think the answer is yes. Like I've had to rethink everything. So I. Like I did, wrote a book uh, that was about like a history book about Australia's involvement in the in the war, Second World War in the in the Middle East, and I sort of I subsequently realized that I was sort of sucked into this propaganda to a certain extent, like uh, like if I try and reflect on what was my motivation for doing this kind of work, like why did I want to do this research and, and, and sort of tell this story. And I guess, you know, as a historian, you sort of have this thing where it's like, well, history's history's important because we've got to be able to, you know, if we don't sort of keep track of the stories of the past you know, we, we're bound to make the same mistakes in the future or some some interpretation like that. But, uh, you know, I like I, I think I was also like sucked in in a way and playing a role in a way in this kind of myth, nationalist myth-making where like I was sort of doing the bidding of the state by trying to sort of be an apologist for for these wars and trying to not, not glorify them, but at least try and kind of commemorate them in a way to say that they were worthwhile or certainly at least inevitable. And we had to do what we did. And I'm kind of these days when I look back, like I'm not as um, you know, I I don't, yeah, definitely question my, my motives, but on the other hand, as I said, like I met a lot of these guys who were in, you know, were, were, were young men in, at that time and, and went to fight overseas. And, and I don't think they had any choice. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, they and, you know, yeah. always make sure people know, like, I don't, I don't fault any soul, you know, I, I'm not a, a veteran. So like, I don't, you know, I don't have the balls to do what they did, obviously, you know, especially the people that volunteered. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm with you there. But yeah, it's like it's the people. That's what I think the thing that makes me so mad about it is it's the cowards that sit behind a political office desk and make these decisions that um, yeah. that put these other people in harm's way. And you're like, whoa, like that's kind of heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's mind blowing still that that you could sit behind a desk and and give these orders that that you know we're gonna you know we're going to lead to people being killed. I agree that I, I can't fathom that. And, and yeah, especially now that, yeah, sort of like, I think as, as you mentioned, it's, you know, my interpretation of history now is kind of like, it's just about the money and, and, you know, the wars were just sort of like covers for monetary resets, basically. 
Um, yeah, which is, I mean, harder to like get, yeah, to, to be patriotic about anything when you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know if you've, uh, looked into Prescott Bush. Um, the, no. uh, there's a Senator. Um, I don't want to give, cause I'm not a hundred percent sure I could tell it accurately, but, um, but he was the, the grandfather of George W. Bush and the father of H.W. Um, and let's just say there's some connections to him making money, um, generational wealth back in the 1930s. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, some things led to, you know, certain things. And, and then uh, all of a sudden, you know, we have, the secret deal that you talk about in petrodollars, you know, um, with the great Gladstein article, the secret deal to that the Saudis are going to take only us dollars for oil. And, um, and then all of a sudden the Gulf war in the early nineties makes sense. And that was commissioned by George HW Bush. Um, and then, you know, with us going to war, um, after 9-11, um, you know, it's amazing living through that um, as an American and seeing how they were able to push us so far away from understanding what was happening. Like, you know, because if you look at it now and you break down, you're like, okay, so some Saudi terrorists they were hiding in Afghanistan, did these, carried out these attacks. And like, was it 18 months later or something? We invade Iraq and hang uh, Saddam Hussein. Like, you know, and you're just like, but it's weird because at that time, you think that it's normal. You think it's right. And um, and it all makes sense and the media manipulates and spins everything so that we all were like, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go to war. And, um, and then, uh, you know, it makes me think with nowadays with everything the media is doing to manipulate people where in like 20 years, they're going to look back and go, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I fell for it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I had the same experience and, where, yeah, if you think back to that that time, like 2003 or whatever it was, when, you know, um, yeah, and you sort of just, you're not really paying attention. You don't care that much. You sort of read the newspaper and, and things on a week, you know, yeah, it's, and you just kind of go along with the narrative. And, and you know, because, you know, as it's happening week by week or month by month, like, yeah, it's like the narrative is able to be crafted in a way that the inconsistencies aren't as glaring. But when you look back now and, and it's like, you know, you, you realize how ridiculous it was and how nonsensical it was. And, and I think you can apply that exact same framework to what's happening at the moment. And I think it's only because we're now so, we being people who are, kind of like-minded when it comes to Bitcoin. And I think the it's, it's a disparate group of people, but the one 
uniting thing is like a complete distrust of authority, you know, state authorities. So you just default to not believing anything that the media says or the government says. So, so you're sort of one step ahead and you're a step ahead of the narrative. So you can call bullshit on it sort of from, from in advance, but it's, yeah, you know, as you say, like having lived through previous versions. Yeah. Something happened there, but yeah, you were saying so with previous versions, this is going to be, this is going to be an, uh, quite an editing job. I got to do. This Sorry, one. man. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, what do we, how can we complain about gaps. this? Cause, uh, cause I mean, you know, you're like in on the other side of the world and we're talking in real time. It's, you know, so, but, um, but yeah. So anyways, you were saying as you know, kind of living through that. Yeah. When you live through it, um, I, you know, you, I, I guess you sort of, that's why like I've got s- not sympathy, but, you can understand how if someone's not thinking about this stuff, they, they just go because they're distracted by things that are more important to them, like their job or their family. You just mm-hmm. kind of go along with, um, with everything. And then, you know, it's, it's small steps like, you know, one, you know, because of what happened last month, all of a sudden the things that are happening this month that were unthinkable, last year but all of a sudden it's like oh yeah and it just gradually you know goes and they just keep pushing and pushing you know and i mean i've said it before but i hate being right in this scenario um i have a friend that nailed everything that's happening um from the beginning and um and uh i you know I just, I, I said to my wife that whenever it all initially started, I said, I think this is what's going to happen. And unfortunately it's been um, so far as right. But it, I mean, what do you think about, because the common thread I've found with, you know, hardcore Bitcoiners and they, they really have to be Bitcoin only because, um, because anyone that would be in for any shitcoin wouldn't, wouldn't stand for this. But Bitcoiners I've found are, the ultimate truth seekers, like they are going to find the truth about something. So first of all, if you come into the space, you can't be like, you have to be authentic. You have to be legit. You have to be yourself. You can't pass off any bullshit because they're going to call it immediately. Um, but the Bitcoiners are so diligent and hardworking at pulling back and discovering the truth. So do you find that as like a common thread across you know, how Bitcoiners look at everything, you know, whether it be, you know, religion, politics, anything, you know, even food, (laughs) like they're looking for the truth and it, and it's all because they've found the one thing that they know can be true. And that's, you know, a scarce 21 million Bitcoin. It's a hard one. It's, it's like a chicken or egg thing. It's like, do, does a certain type of person get attracted to, to Bitcoin or is it the fact that if you, you know, does Bitcoin change you? Um, maybe it's a bit of both. And I, I tend to find that it's like, I, I think people, it's not like Bitcoin has a, oh, you know, everyone else is, is dumb and, and, you know, essentially bad people or something. And then the Bitcoin is, 
understand everything and they're they're the good ones. Yeah, we're, like the, it's obviously, we're the angels. It's obviously not that simple. It but um yeah, there there is something. There's something there that's like if you if you're willing to 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 like Bitcoin it's like it requires an open mind. Let's put it that way. Like, like at least at the very least, you've got to be, you've got to come to this with no pre without any real preconceived notions and without any like vested interests in, in anything or like conflicts of interest. You know, if you're compromised by being reliant on the old system somehow, then then you're not going to you're not going to get to this point so it's like a, it, it, you know people are already at a certain stage in order in order to get on this kind of bitcoin journey that i think they're that's maybe the way to say it is like they're not compromised it's not like there's some truth seeking kind of special people but like yeah that there's not thing maybe there's less less baggage in their life that's forcing them into some kind of cognitive dissonance where like they're not willing to see the truth because you know because they've got an, an interest somewhere that that they rely on it's a good point it's funny yeah. though how much of a but like you know i saw well what was that guy you know they, there's always someone on someone on twitter who's kind of posting ridiculous stuff uh, this i think it's this dave troy guy uh, who i don't <laughs> know if you saw some of his stuff yeah. and like like i honestly try to keep an open mind and and he had a post that was something like i urge people to read up on the um you know the the true history of austrian economics and, and once you read up on this you um you know you'll distance yourself from this this kind of evil philosophy. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And he linked to the Wikipedia page for Austrian economics, and I was like, huh, have I missed something? Like, is there some yeah. terrible like secret? Like, was was Mises a Nazi or like some? Yeah. Was there some like? Or was like Hitler into Austrian? Like I was like, what's what am I missing here? And I went and sort of browsed the Wikipedia article, and it was just like, what you'd expect. It's like, ah, oh, Karl Menger founded the School of Austrian Economics, and marginal, and you know, the marginal theory of value and subjective value, and all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, that that makes that's yeah, not only that's does this. It makes sense to me, and it's it's like value free. Like it's not even um, it's it, it's a it's not even a subjective kind of thing saying what you should or shouldn't do. It's like just trying to analyze human action. So what's the like? I didn't understand. So so I'm yeah. I'd like to think I'm constantly try at least trying to kind of reflect and see if like where the inconsistencies are in my own thought and like is it you know if if you're someone does does something in my background or my my position in life make me okay predisposed towards one way of thinking versus another like obviously it's a cliche that people are 
kind of socialist when they're young and then when mm. they grow up and like uh, start earning money, you know, they become, um, you know, more conservative, like that's, or more capitalist, I suppose, in their thinking. Um, like that's a cliche, obviously. But I suppose, and so you could say, oh, well, well it's a bias. Like if you're, you know, you're trying to p- protect some privileged position by arguing that the redistribution of wealth is, you know, is is a bad thing or something like that. But like, I'm open, like, I'm all ears for how it could be done in a way that actually is going to make things better rather than worse. You know, I, you know, I'm all ears for someone trying to trying to make a case for socialism that actually makes sense. Um, but I just haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Well, that's another common trait I've noticed among Bitcoiners is that they're like, they've shot holes. They're willing to listen to anything and they shoot holes through everything. Um, and then, and then also, um, you know, at that, from that same perspective, they, um they've also tried to shoot holes through bitcoin you know um like they're naturally skeptical you know so it's like i don't know if it maybe like bitcoiners just like once every six months like go in this cycle where they go back and start questioning things and they're like no 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 it's got to be wrong it's got to be wrong and like you know it's just it's so battle tested and bitcoiners are so battle tested whenever they you know become more entrenched and and more hardcore um so i'm not surprised that you clicked on that to like you know be like because i mean yeah I'm, I'm the same way i'm like look i'm i'm willing to have the discussion um you know sometimes i mean honestly there's sometimes where people like bring something up and i'm like you know it could be especially in, like personal life and i'm like you know what like i i honestly don't want to talk about that right now and it's not because i'm not being open-minded but it's just you can get that sense that somebody's not going to have the open conversation with you you know what i mean like they're not yeah i have have that same thing where you're exactly right where more often than not there's just not much point in engaging in conversation with people it's serious conversation that is like in in real life or like in the people that I come across in my day-to-day life. And it's not even because they're like, because I dis, I mean, I obviously disagree with people with them, but it's not because they're bad people. It's just that like, there's so much of a gulf in terms of where you even start the conversation in terms of your assumptions about how the world works mm-hmm. um, that like, you could never, um, you just could never even hope to get to any common ground. And that's the problem that I face with, like, you know, having thought through all this about, you know, about the nature of government and, and you know, why I think it's a problem because most people have never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, they've never thought there was something wrong with their government conversation about human rights or you want to have a conversation about free speech or something like even if people are well-meaning i find that it's there's no point having a conversation because um like if i like if we were talking about free speech or something or like human rights like i I might say something like there's no such thing as a human right or, or like there's really only property rights 
like, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, that someone would, would think that I was a crazy, like right wing, um, conservative or something. Whereas yeah. it's really just that, you know, you've, you've thought it through, you know, thought taken a logical process from a set of axioms and got to the point to, to, well, like, you know, rights can only be negative. Like they can't be, you, you, you don't have a right to education. You don't have a right to housing. You don't have a right to any of these things because that implies that you'd have to force someone to give them to you. Um, like the only rights that you have are, a negative, like you have the right not to be aggressed against or whatever. And that the reason we talk about property rights is that the most important property right is the property right to your own body, like as a human. So that that's your human right. And then, you know, the reason property is important is because, you know, human civilization only works because we're allowed to, you know, mix our labor with natural resources to create capital which allows us to have a standard of living and, and all, you know, all these, all these fundamental things. Whereas so many people, I think when you start talking to them about things like money or about property, they shut down because they think, you know, people who are crusading for human rights, like think that they're, um, you know, in an, in a sort of naive sense, think that they're doing something good and they've got good intentions, but because, you know, I'm coming at things from, and, and I would like to think that I also have good intentions, but yeah, there's just such a gulf of, of understanding about how to analyze the issues that it's, it's really much more productive to just have conversations with Bitcoiners. <laughs> it really, it really is. Um, you know, and if people are willing to have that productive conversation, I'm there for it. Um, but, you know, like I've even just some of these like, you know, arguments that happened on like Twitter spaces where people were like debating with, you know, other, you know, shit coiners or whatever. And I'm like, man, I don't like these people don't even want to actually be open to the idea that they might be wrong, you know? Um, and that's, I think key, um, the key to getting into the Bitcoin um, space is just, you're kind of, your initial step in is like open to the idea that we've all been wrong about the monetary system this whole time. And, uh, and you know, then you find the truth. Um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I, I gotta ask you before, um, by the way, I have like so many more things I want to ask you, but I don't want to take up too much of your time and it's getting late. Um, I'm good, man. But I know it's like midnight there now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so before uh, I'm going to hold you to this, but let's make this part one of two and maybe in a couple of weeks or something, because I could, uh, build up, we could build off of this conversation if you're, if you're uh, cool with that. Um, I'd love to, but, uh, but so I got to ask you about the um, Jordan Peterson interview um, that you were on that epic Jordan Peterson podcast that was you, um, Gigi or uh, Gigi Durr, <laughs> as we call <laughs> um, And was it Breedlove? Breedlove and John Vallis, yeah. Yeah, that's right. John Vallis, of course. Um, so uh how did uh how did that come about and and you know who who contacted you and said hey by the way this is happening and you're on it it's a yeah it's a funny story 
the way that that happened like i sort of you know that meme where like the guys are in the in the tuxedos like and then there's a caveman standing next to them kind of like <laughs> pretending he's like i felt a bit like that but um um so what happened was i john john vallis he hasn't done one for a while but he's periodically done these bitcoin uh, book club episodes mm-hmm. where he gets people to discuss books no oh, i think we froze again and um oh, there we so i having not oh having not uh i didn't know him but i i reached out and i was like man i love that book like it's so you know i, I really want to talk about it and so i i went in on that discussion with him and a bunch of other people and then i, I did a few others like which book uh, was that because i think it was frozen whenever oh the uh the sovereign individual oh yeah 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 and um there was one where we talked about um I think masters and slaves and money that breed love article. And then another one, which was um, the ethics of money production by a guy called Guido Hulsman. And then he put something out about um, saying you want to do something on maps of meaning by Jordan Peterson. And I had also, I've been on this like Jordan Peterson rabbit hole for the last year or two. And you know, he's got these amazing lecture series where he go. it's sort of about the biblical stories. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not, necess- you know, he's not necessarily religious or he sort of doesn't give much away as to his own personal beliefs, but, you know, he's a psychologist and it's more, you know, regardless of, of, of your, I guess, where you land uh, from a sort of spiritual um, faith point of view, it's like him trying to show oh, it froze again all point of view and oh. um, and then he's got all these um what was I don't it? know if it's it... picking up I don't know if it's picking up everything that I'm saying when it freezes on your end but um but yeah like he, he he um he he was talks about like it doesn't um he looks at it from a certain point of view yeah and so like and then he's got all these lecture series about psychology and um, yeah, I just found it and I read a bunch of his books, but, and, and found it really interesting, but, and so I sort of got in touch with John saying, you know, I'd love the opportunity to, to talk about it. Um, Cause man maps of meaning is like the real dense um, textbook. It's like, it's quite, it's not an approachable book. Like it was a, it was a kind of, real effort to actually get through the book, but it, it crystallized a lot of these ideas that he, he discusses, you know, in his videos and stuff. And so, yeah, it turned out that, you know, unbeknownst to me, that Gigi and, and Robert Breedlove were also, you know, were influenced by Peterson and, and wanted to, to join. So the, the four of us ended up doing this episode and it's on John's podcast. We did it uh, this sometime earlier in the year, like a discussion of this uh, this Peterson book, Maps of Meaning, and and kind of talk, riffing on that and Bitcoin and like the relationship to Bitcoin and the parallels. And so I don't know how it happened, but P- Jordan Peterson saw it, saw it on Twitter. And so, and re, he retweeted, he's like, this is a, f- a really interesting discussion. 
and so yeah and so there was kind of this like twitter um conversation going on and and he was like look maybe uh i think it was to Gigi he sent a message being like maybe i need to get you on my show and talk about this and and in fact, why don't I get all of you on who were in this discussion and we'll talk more about it. So, so he invited all of us um, who, had, who had been in that, that first discussion to, to come on his show and kind of talk about Bitcoin. And it was, it, yeah, it was amazing to get the opportunity to talk to him about it. I suppose the, the thing is like we'd gone, because, you know, in our first discussion, Obviously, we didn't talk that much about the basics of Bitcoin. Like it was more because, you know, we've all discussed that a thousand times. Um, so it was really trying to get into the weeds about some of these more kind of esoteric connections between Bitcoin and psychology and and things like that. So when we actually did the episode with him, I think it was more, it was more going back to basics um, about Bitcoin and, and, and ec- economics um but i think you know it, you know everyone involved you know i think G, yeah gg and john and, and robert you know they they all come at it from sort of a slightly philosophical perspective so i think they um you know they definitely opened his eyes a little bit to some of these these ideas and then I think, was, yeah interesting oh you go no i was gonna say i, I think you guys did a good job though because i mean obviously like I could tell, I was like, his interest has peaked. And then, you know, with him having safe on, um, you know, I don't know if you watched that one yet. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I've seen the clip, you know, of, of him basically the moment he's orange pilled and, and realized. Yeah, I, I watched. It's amazing. And I think that that moment with Saifedean, yeah, that was where you could see it really something clicked for him. And I think he had a few of those moments w- with our discussion, um, but but I think just the fact that you know if, if in the discussion with Saifedean, he said something like, "Huh, so you're proposing that money could be issued and used outside the purview of a government." He's like, "Ah, I just." I just assumed kind of on faith my whole life, like I never questioned this idea that the government issues the money. He's like, and he, for like, and he, but because even though we'd already talked to him for like two hours about this, I just think, and he sort of got, got a, he kind of questioned us a bit. He's like, huh, like you guys really want to like, you guys really want to sort of overthrow the system, don't you? And we're like, yeah, pretty much. That's, <laughs> that's the point of this. But I don't know that, yeah, you could see with Saifedean, like he just, he was another step closer. Like he'd been kind of a, a bit open to some of these concepts. So he was like, he was just like, he obviously got his mind blown by the mining thing and the electricity, but even just the idea of a, of a non-state money, he was just like for a minute or so, he was like, oh, that's so radical. Like you could, I can't, <laughs> I just can't, ah, like you could, you could see his brain kind of grappling with this idea and his brain saying to him, oh, cut out right whenever you go to drop, drop the line. Yeah. You could see him grappling with this, this um, it's been a cool, yeah. It's been a cool process to watch. I mean, I don't think he's gonna like he's, his life's work is, 
is kind of in a in a certain field and maybe there's some connections to bitcoin i don't i don't see him becoming some bitcoin yeah he's not gonna be like a yeah yeah. he's not gonna be a bitcoin prophet you know going and uh but he's a good one to have on board um yeah like just the fact that he's open to you know just shows how far you can get in your understanding if you just approach you know make that effort to approach stuff in in an open mind and because you can see that he's like you know, because he's on the same side as us in, t- in terms of, you know, he's been battling this kind of um, sort of like authoritarian, like Marxist feel-good sort of thing um, as well, like not from a, an economic or monetary point of view. So he's, you know, whereas some people who, who never questioned that, would, and that's kind of the, the, the accepted narrative amongst Western democracies these days. Um, if you haven't, if if you live in that, swim in that water, and haven't questioned that, then you're just not going to be receptive to to Bitcoin. But he, because he's already on that road. Yeah, his mind was kind of open to it. So it was. Yeah, it's been a really cool thing to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's been. So were you? Um, we'll have to. Uh, this is. I'm taking notes on on our second part of this discussion where we're gonna because i think we can get into some of that deeper stuff um but uh on a very superficial level um what was it like how nervous were you to be on such a massive podcast like that i mean obviously now being on this one you're like this is easy the 12 people that are gonna listen (laughs) i'm kidding there's more of you out there appreciate you guys (laughs) but uh you know, let's just say it was, uh, I'm sure, a little nerve wracking to be on um, Jordan Peterson's podcast. Oh, man. So so it was scheduled for some really early morning hour. It was like 5.30 in the morning for me um, here, here in Australia. And so I sort of went to bed the night before. And I was going to set my alarm. I was, and, and yes, I was a bit anxious. And then I sort of just couldn't, like I sort of maybe I got a little bit of sleep and then I woke up and I was like, oh man, like I just was a bit anxious. And so I just didn't, didn't really get back to sleep. I was just lying in bed for hours. And then I sort of, I dragged myself out of bed and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, um, so I was smelling not salts a, under your nose. Yeah. And so, I was struggling actually. Yeah. You, you know, I was, um, I just hadn't slept enough. And so I sort of like, um, you know, when I did get the chance to speak, you know, thankfully it was about stuff that I'd thought about so much that I was able to like articulate what I wanted to say. But, you know, I sort of, at a certain point, I sort of was happy to, to let the other guys like really run with some of those more deeper topics um so I, I would have loved to have been more you know fresher and like and been able to dig into it more myself and and maybe contribute more but the other thing is like it was cra- a crowded conversation like there's f- five people so you know i was happy to sort of let the other guys take the lead a, a little bit um yeah and it was nerve-wracking it was a, it was a little bit nerve-wracking but not really like you're just on a you know you're on a call like we are now and, and i didn't even, I, I 
I guess I knew that it would reach a wide audience, but I didn't realize just how massive his audience is, uh, especially on YouTube. Uh, when it had, so it had like half a million views on YouTube, <laughs> and um, I don't like I don't know how many podcast downloads, but yeah, it's pretty surreal to to think that you know you, you've been able to get Bitcoin in front of such a broad audience. Yeah. The next one we got to get is um, somebody on uh, Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, that's the and one. I'm I'm not the. Uh, I I th- it's funny because um, I know some people that are friends with him, but I'm like I'm not the person. Like I'm not the you know somebody smarter than me needs to do it. But um, but it would be fun. I'd love to if I ever get the opportunity to sit down with Joe like off the podcast and just be like blah 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 because I could get enough of the bullet points and then be like and here's the person you need to have on um uh I'm trying to think who would be really good for somebody like Joe Rogan everybody always says pomp but pomp is too crypto adjacent for me um yeah so yeah, I, I agree. probably I, there's I mean, so many people who could do you know who could do a good job i think anyone who any of those there's like a dozen guys who would do the you know kind of uh, who do the rounds of podcasts who who really can make the case for bitcoin pretty eloquently so mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it, you know i don't know that it even matters who it is like as long as he gets a a genuine bitcoin in front of him though yeah yeah yeah, it would be. I mean, the, I'm sure it, it, that's like when I saw that it was safe that talked to Jordan one on one. I was like, oh man, like that's perfect, perfect match for you know Jordan Peterson. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, it's it's nerve wracking though when people you know, when you think about your elevator pitch and if you ever got in front of somebody and you had your chance. And I had that, like I did do that with my business partners. Um, and I just like rambled for five minutes and I stole from everybody else around me, like everybody I had learned from. And it was just like, I was regurgitating everything I'd learned. So, which I think is what all of us Bitcoiners do. So, um, yeah, everyone's constantly working on the pitch, but it helps if the podcast format is so good. Cause you just got almost unlimited time. Like they spoke for an hour and a half or something like you can, you can really develop an argument in that time and you don't have to nail everything in like a typical elevator pitch where you've got someone's attention for five minutes. That's, yeah. you know, that's why it's, it's easier. I think in that longer format discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Cause definitely. you can't, you can't explain Bitcoin in five minutes, you know, it just sounds, <laughs> sounds stupid. <laughs> when, My theory when, is that, know. that you're, you, once you reach 1% understanding of Bitcoin, you'll be there forever. Because the more you understand, the more there is to learn. And it just, you keep staying at 1%. <laughs> it keeps getting away from you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the, you halve the space between you and the wall and like it's infinite, <laughs> the, the yeah. depth. It just keeps going and you're like, oh man, this is this this rabbit hole doesn't end. Um, I could dig through, I could go down that rabbit hole and come out the other side on Australia and then we could do this at a cafe and sit down. Oh man. Oh. Well, uh, hey Richard, I really appreciate you coming on and um 
and yeah, let's do this again soon. I'll uh, we'll coordinate something here because I, I feel like we could go down the the deeper aspects. You know what? We could. I should have. Uh, have you talked to Luke before? No, and I would love to have have a conversation with Luke. So that'd be great. Yeah, maybe we if, could do it all uh, three. We of should us, all we get could... together and chat. That'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll do that because it's the one that he and I do together. It's just us. We're like catching up on the weekly thing things going on in Bitcoin. We call it Bitcoin breadcrumbs. Um, mm. And uh, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe we could do that. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll set something up. Um, and I know I know Luke will be keen to do that. He was excited that I was uh, talking to you. So. Um, well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody check out, where can they check out? You know, they can obviously check it out on Movies Plus, but, you know, you have your own websites and everything. And and Richard did these films for for nothing. He did it for the, the knowledge to get out there. Um, so please patronize him uh, on all any available channels where you can you can patronize him. But where can they uh, where can they check you out and, and see everything? The best place is probably just my Twitter, which is at rjames underscore BTC. It's got the films, um, links to the films in, in my bio there. That's probably the best spot. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for your support of, of the work I've been doing and, and such a pleasure to, to chat like this and dig into some of this stuff. So thank you. Yeah, anytime. Mm-hmm.